This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, where Christian music doesn't suck. This year has brought us tears and sorrow. Watching our world, like the very ground beneath us tremble with fear and racism and death and hate. So many questions without answers. So many mothers who have had to bury their children. We cannot unplug from the noise of news. Our world is being torn at its seams by the tug of war, finding it difficult to make or keep peace. The fight for human rights, the fear of disease, the violence of militants' lives are being snuffed and stolen. Typhoons, airstrikes, open fire. This year, nearly 300 girls were kidnapped in Nigeria while getting an education, and most of them have still not returned home. The protests in Venezuela, China, Mexico, Ukraine are the same as the protests happening in New York, Chicago, L.A., Atlanta, Ferguson. Our cities and towns are at an unrest. As we wrestle with the violence of lone gunmen, immigration, race relations, as we watch our neighborhoods turn into war zones, we don't hear the wounds. We just take sides and divide to find our us so we can accuse them. We have stopped listening. We find ourselves with angry fists in what is supposed to be the season of giving. There have been breaches in our confidence and trust. We have lost our ability to mourn with those who mourn, to see injustice with disgust, and our Facebook statuses turn into the worst kind of soapbox and pulpit. Hashtag bring back our girls, Ebola, ice bucket challenge. Hashtag I can't breathe, why I stayed, Renisha McBride, occupy Hong Kong. Hashtag black lives matter, Gaza under attack, yes, all women. Hashtag break the internet, take down that post, MH370. Hashtag pray for South Korea, H17, hands up, don't shoot, until our souls need a ceasefire. Sometimes it's hard to light the candle and drape the tinsel when Christmas seems to not unwrap gifts but wounds, reminding us of the people we've lost, of the things that have been stolen, of despair, of grieving the kind of sadness a Christmas carol can't seem to shake. And what do we do with this baby? This savior, whose arrival had no celebrity, no red carpet, no paparazzi, just Mary and Joseph and manger animals and stars to lead wise men. What does this Jesus have to do with our brokenness and wounds? What does he have to say when the plot lines of our life don't wrap up cleanly like a Christmas tune? This Jesus is not just a baby. He is the radical revolutionary who came to do the saving, who spoke uncomfortable truth to the narrow-minded religious, who turned over tables for justice, who used his voice to speak for children, orphans, widows, who became freedom for the oppressed. Yes, he wanted us to know peace so badly that he sacrificed himself so we could realize we are not us versus them. We are us with him, us who want to walk and love and serve like him, fight against injustice and poverty with him. Let's listen to those who are hurting. Mourn with those who are weeping. Let's do what we hear the angels singing for love, for peace, for goodwill, for all humanity this Advent. May Jesus teach a weary world and our weary souls to fight for justice and someday live in peace. The antidote heads in a different direction tonight. Instead of traditional music, we're going to explore the spoken word of Amina Brown. We'll also look into Soul Graffiti, a new project that she's created along with her husband, Matt Owen. 
with spoken word, I've always had a tough time trying to sort out how to describe it. Is spoken word music? Is it performance? Or is it a poetry recital? Well, I finally decided to not categorize it, but simply leave it to stand on its own merits as a really incredible form of communication. Our opening track tonight was a good example of that, a collaboration Amina had with Michael Gunger for the liturgists called Advent for Weary Souls. It's a pointed reminder of what's happened in our world during 2015. Well, enjoy the talents of Matt and Amina during the next hour, and also enjoy our fun and insightful visit with Soul Graffiti. Amina Brown and her husband Matt Owen are Soul Graffiti. Good to have both of you here on The Antidote. We are excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, let's hear the important story about Soul Graffiti. Matt, why don't you fill us in about the details about your romance, and then Amina, you can correct him if he messes up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you definitely picked the shorter version. <laughs> uh, we were just friends for a couple of years. Um, both ended up at some of the same events. And she had the idea of putting together a DJ and a spoken word poet. And I was interested to see uh, how that would be. And she had to marry you to convince you to do this? I, I think that she married me uh, just to cut the cost of production and DJ services. <laughs> that's, that's, I think it's all a racket. She, uh, but she did bring sandwiches and chips and uh, some iced tea. So, you know, I wasn't showing up for free. Um, and uh, we were actually in the studio for about six months building a, a performance that we do together. And I was I was just interested to see what it would be like, because I know how to DJ for a rapper or for a singer or even as a solo act myself. But um, to DJ for a poet, that sound, seemed interesting, you know. And at the time, uh, the church that I was working for, uh, everybody was like, I think you guys would make a great couple. And I was like, there's no way that this woman is interested in this man. Impossible. Um, and so they, they got to teasing me so bad about it that I uh, told her one day when we were hanging out that I was getting teased about it. I thought I was protecting my friend Amina. She thought I was uh, trying to tell her I was interested. (laughs) So she said her friends were teasing her about me also. And uh, it led to a conversation, which led to an engagement, which led to us getting married. And here we are. (laughs) And this has been how long a span? How long have you been married now? September made four years. Okay, so it's still relatively new. Oh, yeah. 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 We still like each other. We, we like to tell people our marriage is uh, pre-K. We haven't made it to kindergarten. So we've been married five years. But our finger paintings are awesome. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he puts his hand in the small of my back. Two fingers pressed into the center of my palm. He pulls me close, steps with his left, my right. I focus on his eyes and try to ignore my feet as they clumsily count one, two, three. I'm trying to trust him. He knows this dance better than me. I'm still a novice, and it's obvious I haven't learned yet to lean in and let him control the turns. He takes his time, and even when I miss a step, it's fine. He knows I'm learning. He wants me to put my hand in his, close my eyes, and trust him with my life, 
my heart with worry and I'm so scared with hurt, worth and unworthy, with loving and unlovable. And my heart has been hurt before. I have been burned before, loved and endured loss before. I am in no mood for a dance, no mood to be romanced. I have become a gray cynic and love's worst critic. He sends me invitations every day and even though I have yet to RSVP, he doesn't mind me, keeps pursuing and taking steps in spite of me. He is a songwriter, composing the notes that hold together eternity, and he wants to teach my limbs to sing. He's been waiting to watch me let go of woe and worry until my soul sings in that beautiful voice he gave me that I have somehow come to think is not so beautiful. To dance with him, I must give in and give up, plus the trust it takes to really love. And I want to love him unbridled, believe in him with the faith that is unshakable like tree roots centuries deep. Until I learn to follow his time, take deep breaths, rest my head on his chest and my cares at his feet, that I never fare well as long as I depend on me. Take his hand, take a chance fingertips in the palm of the one who holds galaxies in his hand, hand on his shoulder, heart in his hand. We dance to a downbeat that keeps time with his heartbeat. And sometimes it feels like he's letting me go when he's only letting me turn. And sometimes it feels like he's letting me fall when he's only letting me learn. Sometimes it feels like he's letting me go when he's only letting me turn. And sometimes it feels like he's letting me fall when he's only letting me learn. His is the song that never ends. In his love, sinners become friends. He wants to dance with you until the only song you hear is him. Dance with him from Amina's Breaking Old Rhythms album. And coming up, Amina talks about how spoken word can be such an influence. Amina, I'm interested in hearing more about you. So when did you start writing? Uh, I started writing poetry when I was 12, just in my own notebooks, whatnot, outside of class. And I started performing poetry my last year of high school when I was 17. I was living in San Antonio, Texas at that time. So Now, San Antonio has a poetry and a hip-hop scene, but back then, there was no scene. So I was interested in doing something where there really wasn't an outlet anywhere, you know, where I live to perform. So I moved to Atlanta to attend Spelman College, and Atlanta um, had then and still has today a really thriving poetry scene. And that's where I cut my chops, so to speak, uh, learning how to perform spoken word. And that's what I'm curious about, because it must be very different between writing poetry and performing it as a spoken word artist. Yeah, I I don't know if these are technical terms, but I always say there's a difference between spoken word poetry and and what we would consider your traditional page poetry, which all poetry was really written to be read aloud, um, even if it wasn't written to be performed. But, you know, we're, we learn about sonnets and haiku and limericks, you know, a lot of those sestinas, those traditional forms. Um, I think spoken word, especially for my generation of poets, sort of took on this marriage between jazz rhythms and hip hop wordplay. And all that sort of becomes this longer free verse <laughs> piece of work. 
that is really written in its best form to be memorized and, and performed that way. And why did you decide that you wanted to perform in front of the public? Um, I guess there's like a couple of experiences that led to that. You know, I was just starting to write around 96, you know, write performance pieces. And there was a movie that was released. Um, it was like a black romantic comedy slash drama uh, called Love Jones. And it was the first film I'd ever seen where the leading man who was played by Lorenz Tate was a spoken word poet. So it's one of the first films that, you know, I remember watching where you, you were seeing the open mic environment and the bass player and everybody snapping their fingers and, you know, kind of that whole vibe that we've seen ad nauseum now was very new when Love Jones was released. So I was a high school student at that point. So I think that sort of made me go, huh, I, I love writing. I didn't know that you could write things and perform them that way, you know, it kind of made me curious and I came to Atlanta and discovered that those places are actually real. Those rooms where people are performing their work and, you know, performing to a live jazz band, you know, that kind of environment. It must be tough to do that, though, to be up on stage. Because if you ever did mess up, you've got no way to cover it. It's not like having a rock band where, you know, the guitar can come in and sort of mask over something that you've totally blown. You can't do that with what you're doing. Yeah, that is a part of the trouble, especially when you're trying to kind of get a piece memorized. You know, it's it's happened to me several times. Any any spoken word poet worth their salt has had that moment where you're just on stage and you just go blank and you can't remember <laughs> where you're supposed to go next. But the plus to it on the other side, nobody knows your poem. Nobody knows it well enough to know, you know, well, the bridge goes there. Well, why'd she do the chorus there? You know, it's your poem. So I, I would probably say I have forgotten more times than people knew that I did. I just, you know, skipped over a stanza and went to the next one. Or sometimes I went into a completely different poem <laughs> right in the middle of the other one, you know. But <laughs> nobody knew. They thought that was all on purpose. That was basically because I forgot and I didn't want to embarrass myself. I was born a tambourine and hand clap Foot stomp on old wooden church floors I learned to love a sound that came straight from James Brown But not the godfather of soul I'm talking about James Brown, my father Whose soul is earth, wind and fire Whose eyes are shining stars for me to see Earphones bigger than six-month-old me Placed around these little ears So I could hear a slice of what my life could truly be my grandma used to say, yo daddy can play piano by ear, which meant his heart could hear what his fingers could interpret. See, his mother taught him to play in the key of G. And he passed that blessing on to me. But no matter how many times old Miss Patterson reminded me to practice, I just couldn't focus on the keys. So I left the piano notes alone. I picked up a pen and a microphone. I learned to live by ear, listening to the bass, blasting from my $20 boombox like ripples of water through the floor of my bedroom. And the only keys I press will record and play so I capture my favorite song off the radio. This poem, it's for the quiet storm, for the request line, for the first time I understood the magnitude of shh, don't talk. Just listen. 
from my first real date. How we slow dance to all my life with his hands around my waist. For the old holiness hymns my grandmother taught me. For my mom, buy me the boy's first LP when I believed Hakeem would marry me. This poem is for Trey, who taught me that black thought called me a queen named Amina. For that old bootleg set of the Fugees and my first taste of El Boogie for my college roommate who lent me six of Coltrane's greatest hits. And I never did give her back that CD. This poem is for Daniel with the brown freckles who sang me the words under the bridge. One day, I'm gonna have kids. And they're gonna look up at me and say, Mommy, where do samples come from? And I wanna sit them down. I want to tell them the truth that real music is this special dance of instruments and lyrics do and one day baby you'll find somebody special you'll do that dance too because I want them to listen to Coltrane in the womb I want them to know that a 45 is more the loaded weapon that needles and records go perfect together and maybe in life I'll only get my 16 bars but I hope my eyes are shining stars for them to see because I want to teach them how to live by ear and play in the key of G. Do you think that a spoken word artist can create a closer connection to their audience, you know, in comparison to a more traditional music scene? Hmm. I think that the art in its best form to me, the art of spoken word is very vulnerable. It's one of the most vulnerable types of stage work that I think you can do because every time you're on stage, you are performing some original piece that you've written, some vulnerable piece of your story, some funny question you have about life. And so I think there are a lot of ways that that connects really well with an audience because you are truly putting your soul out there, putting your embarrassing moments, your breakups, you know, when you've lost someone, all of those things, all of our insecurities, you're dumping that into a work of art and performing it in front of people. But I think for the audience member, it gives them something human to identify with about you because you're already coming to the stage sort of not truly perfect and polished. Well, that certainly comes across on Soul Graffiti's self-titled EP. Listening to it, yeah, the song seems so personal, but how much comes from your own experience versus just your imagination? I would say probably most of the work on Soul Graffiti was like actual real things that happened to me. Like there, there were a couple of my friends that I was like, you know, you showed up on our Soul Graffiti EP, like in Graffiti for Your Soul. When I talk about sitting across the table from a friend of mine and she was telling me that she didn't want to make herself small. Like that was my friend, Helen. That was a real conversation in Joe's Coffee in East Atlanta. <laughs> you know, like I could tell you the place where we were when we were talking about that. Um, of course, in, um, in one of the other songs, we sort of wanted to take on more of a storytelling kind of vibe, but I told those stories in the third person um, to sort of separate, you know, my I voice and experience from that. But I would say most of it, you know, that EP was hammered out in my husband's office and studio. <laughs> it was real life conversations, real life frustrations, the entire process. Reason to believe. Reason to believe. Yeah, yeah that was one of the ones that, you know, wasn't all from my experience, but, you know, was kind of involving some storytelling, which is also fun to do. 
interesting about Reason to Believe because you pulled Peter Furler in mm-hmm. yeah. to help out on vocals with that. Yes. That, that was, was quite a tag. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that was an amazing experience getting to work with him. Yeah, we were on a tour, on a, on a winter tour through the Midwest. So the weather was just, especially for Southern birds like us, you know, the weather going through the Midwest during that winter was horrible. <laughs> but one of the best things about the tour was we got a chance to hang out with Peter Furler and the guys in his band and, you know, just really vibed and connected. And, you know, I mean, artists do this all the time, obviously, where you meet each other and you go, hey, if you ever, you know, need me for anything, like, let me know. And he, you know, said that to us and we were started working on the EP and just thought, I wonder if you really meant that. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, well, we'll just reach out to him. The worst thing that'll happen is he'll tell us no. <laughs> yeah. It, it was very interesting. Uh, when I was writing the part that he would sing, I, um, I didn't want to make it very wordy. I wanted a lot of room for his accent to be able to shine through. And so when I was writing it, I wrote it with his voice in mind. And so uh, it felt really strange when I went to uh, record the scratch vocal to send to him. Oh, yeah. But you got to tell me, did you actually add the Aussie accent to it? <laughs> I, I had to force myself not to. <laughs> Because you never want to, you know, offend someone or, you know, uh, so it, it was so difficult not to, uh, but I, I did refrain. Get, getting the vocal back, a voice that you've heard so many times and, you know, just really respect his work and, you know, to, to hear him on uh, some music that you made, singing some words that you wrote, it, it was a very humbling experience. one-night stand. Product of a few drinks plus one too many. She spent the next few days unable to keep down breakfast, lunch. She thought maybe it was an extended hangover. No thought of the fly guy she'd taken up most of the night with a few nights before. She had his first name but no last. Relationships like these, it seemed, they never last. She never expected them to. So when the lines of the pregnancy test showed up not one but two, she knew she had to choose found herself rubbing a belly barely showing it wasn't just the baby inside but now her hope was growing how could she who could barely make ends meet support a fetus this seemed like a time she should pray to jesus or maybe not pray at all maybe choose to end things once and for all but she decided not to press news on the biggest wake-up call of her life maybe she and this baby could save each other's lives when her daughter was born the first time she looked into her eyes she decided to name her hope with the hope that her daughter might see dreams as things to achieve that they both might find reason to believe. Found something to believe in. Found something to believe in. Found something to believe in. I found you. came from a long line of men who viewed father as a job you never accept, quiet as it's kept, 
He'd been taught that being a man meant working with your hands and making your own plans, then leaving as soon as you can. He wasn't thinking about a relationship, wasn't thinking about a wife, only thinking about a good time to have for the night. He was 23 years young when he found out he was about to be a father. And why bother with all the pleasantries? His girlfriend told him she was having a baby soon, and the tune of his unborn heartbeat turned his chest into a panic room, a blinking exit sign saying this is the time you walk out give up call it quits times were getting hard the kind of times when you need to choose what to keep and what to discard it's difficult when a baby gets born as a result of a booty call he looked at his son and saw his own eyes staring back he realized being a father was more than planting a seed whether you walk away or stay you're still responsible for the tree he knew then it's not just that he shouldn't leave but he couldn't leave his son had given him a reason to believe Found something to believe in Found something to believe in Found something to believe in I found you He was born into struggle Raised by a young mother, she had no idea what was coming How could a savior be born of a virgin? How could she convince her fiancé to believe her version of the story she didn't need to? She let the angel do the talking. And when the time came for the birth of this son conceived in mystery, this son whose birth would interrupt and change history, she realized there are no parenting rules on how you should raise a messiah. She had no idea when there was no room at the inn that she would one day watch God raise a messiah. He walked in muscle and flesh, spoke in truth and love, body bruised, lungs that heave. He made grace and forgiveness, a gift to receive, gave each one of us a reason to believe. Found believe, to believe. something to believe in. Found something to believe in. Found something to believe in. I found you. You know, with the EP, I keep talking about you being as, you know, spoken word, but it's only really a part of what you're doing because you met. And of course, you got to give me your name that you go by. Yes, I perform mostly nowadays under the name of DJ Oak Diggy. That's spelled O-P-D-I-G-G-Y. And that's added a really different sound to it. You go through a lot of different styles on the EP itself. Matt and I have been collaborating or DJ Obdiggy and I, have been collaborating for years. Soul Graffiti was our first time walking into that collaboration with nothing. Typically, he is my DJ and my producer in our collaborating. 
So typically I go to him like, I've got this poem and can you put some music to it? And he creates this, you know, beautiful, cool, edgy, you know, whatever is required there, piece of music around it. Well, our goal with Soul Graffiti was to walk in with nothing. I walk in, I don't have any pre-written poems. He walks in, he doesn't have any pre-composed music. And we really, in some cases, frustratingly, <laughs> had to find a way to make that work. And he had been talking to me about what would it look like to put spoken word into songwriting structure, to basically create songs that have hooks and verses and bridges. What would it look like to put spoken word there and leave it spoken word, not make it into rap, which was super weird to me. <laughs> at first, but what you are hearing on the EP is the results of us getting in that room and getting on each other's nerves to create something. That must have been a huge challenge for the two of you. It, it really was. It, it's kind of been a journey though, even since like when as friends, we went into the studio to build the, the performance piece that we do together. It's kind of been a, a building journey from there because uh, for instance, if you have a rapper they're going to ride the beat of the music. And there's a certain set of amount of bars that they will perform their rap over. And then there's a hook and then there's, so there's some form, there's some song structure there. Whereas with a free verse poet, it's just been a journey of learning how to create music that was interesting enough and had enough groove uh, to where it moved with the poet versus it being like a poet performing over a track, uh, you know, kind of how a singer and the music, how it is some, some cohesion there or a rapper and music. How do you take free verse poetry and cohesively have music where the two dance in and out of each other? And so that, that really led to the Soul Graffiti Project, uh, thinking what would it be like to do poems and add a hook, whether it be a singable melody like Reason to Believe or something that's more of a chant kind of chorus like in Graffiti for Your Soul, and then to also marry it with uh, some some raps in there. I, I started out as an MC before I became a DJ, uh, so to uh, add some, some raps. So even the contrast between how those raps are versus the free verse poetry. Uh, it just added to be a, a really neat gumbo, but a, a great experience that I can't wait to see how we keep going with. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of what happened. We want to perform together, but we want to do that differently than the way we've been doing it. Up to now, it had been more like Amina Brown and DJ Diggy, which we still do some of, but we wanted to have a duo name, like a name that was the two of us, that was our white stripes, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was what we came up with Soul Graffiti because we have a rule that when we uh, go to a neighborhood to see if we want to move there or live there, we have to live within a five minute drive of being able to see graffiti in our neighborhood. If we see graffiti in our neighborhood, then we know that there is some unrest. We know there's some struggle, but we also know that there are some artists in the neighborhood. And so that lets us know that we're welcome there. So then we thought, well, what if we do the S-O-L, like the Spanish for sun, soul, graffiti, because we want whatever our mark is that we leave in the world. Graffiti always ends up on these abandoned buildings, these rejected places, which is some of the language you're hearing in 
uh, graffiti for your soul. But we hope that sort of the graffiti that we live with our art and with our lives, that it will shine of hope, that it will shine of light and of truth. So once we got there, then we're like, all right, great. We have a name. <laughs> <laughs> this is DJ Oak Diggy. This is Amina Brown. And, and we, we are, are Soul graffiti. graffiti. And you are checking out The Antidote. With Dave Hawkins. Girlfriend. Separated by the steam from two cups of chai, she said, I'm a billboard who doesn't want to fold herself into an index card. And I thought of my own many times broken heart, studied my own skin for folds, wondered how many times I had taken my own voice, feelings, thoughts, dreams, bent them like origami so I could sit ornamental on someone else's desk, forgotten on someone else's shelf, creased into something other than myself. All origami swans get their wings clipped and paper cranes never make their way out of the nest never come to understand that to fall to get up to try is the only way that wings learn how to fly so i will not fold myself small will spread my pages like wingspan until the words teach me how to fly and stand tall this is the get up and move graffiti for your soul this is the call and response this is the rock and the roll this is the get up and move told in concrete. Whether we defy the odds or meet defeat, sometimes life rocks us hard, leaving us all rejected foundations and abandoned walls, no matter what our faith. When we fall, when we drop the ball, when the answers to life's questions seem to stall, whether Jesus or self or food or booze, we all find a God to call. And it can be our downfall that we feel that free fall when we can't spitball potential success or windfall when life throws fastballs. It can be hard to recall that nightfall and rainfall must befall us all. We must decide if we have the gall or the guts to take the tough, but we don't have to let hard times break us. We can let the hand of God mold and make us until our troubles no longer weigh us down, until worries fade to background and hope resounds in stereo surround sound, until our worries fade to background and hope resounds in stereo surround sound. This is the call and response. This is the rock and the roll. This is the get up and move. Graffiti for your soul. This is the call and response. This is the rock and the roll. This is the get up and move. Graffiti for your soul. This is the call and response. This is the rock and the roll. This is the get up and move. Graffiti for your soul. This is the call and response. This is the rock and the roll. This is the get up and move. Graffiti for your soul.
What about running us through the album itself? Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Because Graffiti for Your Souls first, which was the first thing that we ever mm-hmm. made. So we got in there trying to create, and I write all of my spoken word pieces to jazz music, to John Coltrane, Miles Davis, kind of 60s era of jazz. The classics. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you make some music, and I'm going to go write. So I went, he's in there doing his stuff. And that didn't work very well because he was making music that I was like, well, that doesn't sound like I thought it would sound and I'm writing and it's just not going well. So we literally just had to put ourselves in the same room and go through the awkwardness of him like playing instruments and trying to figure out what and of me just trying to hear what he's making and write. So it's out of what started off as frustration. (laughs) Out of that, Graffiti for Your Soul was born, which was awesome. So then when we went into um, Let's Begin, I think you might have made the music for that first. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering that right? We, we made the music first, and then we wrote the hook for it. We just kind of vibed out to the music, and then we wrote the hook. Yeah. And I think I had like a couple of the first lines of the hook I had as like something else that was going to go to another poem or something. And so I kind of read it to him, but it wouldn't finish. I couldn't get it to finish right. So we finished the hook from there, like, huh, I really like that hook. All right, let's try to write some verses to go with it. And I will say of all these songs on the EP, I think Let's Begin is my favorite to perform because I've never written songs before. So that was one of the first songs that we performed. And when we cut out of it, the audience kept saying the hook afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This happens to songwriters all the time that they wrote this thing in their room somewhere and you get in front of a crowd and like you taught them to sing it or to say it along with you. Like that, I just thought that was like so amazing. (laughs) And there's quite a story in the song, Let's Begin. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I think trying to think of that moment for us, a lot of us as artists, you know, that moment of like the blank page, the blank canvas, you know, when, when you're starting with an idea, but how does that flow into the rest of life? What are those moments that we need to really think about starting over and being able to begin again and being able to be inspired? And so that was sort of kind of what was driving me as it related to the verses of Let's Begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Listen, and let's be clear. You only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Maybe God is pro-choice. He gave each of us a will, a mind, a voice, and whether we will make statements, speak truth, or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given. To treat our seconds like scents and watch how we spend them. To use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them. Take the negative thoughts we were taught. Take our wounded souls and hearts and let God 
Mend them, let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. struggle no matter our skin tone time zone no matter the balance of the scale or our bank account it's true life can bruise you it can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do but the funny thing about wounds is given time to heal they make the most beautiful tattoos some people call them scars but in the eyes of the right beholder they can be art love doesn't keep secrets love chooses to see forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven can set you free Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath. Count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Race means starting something. Each day, new beginning, rise with the sun. And put on your kicks, cause life's a trip. I don't run alone, cause I'm known to slip. I used to think the chrome was the way to live. Till I saw too many in before they could begin. Stop rethink and reposition. Let your soul grow, rethink the mission. Let the world know that you mean business. There's a difference between plans and wishes. Now let that sink in. You are what you is, cause of your thinking. Live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Then he did Reason to Believe. Yes, which I think Reason to Believe, I want to say we didn't want to force a message into this EP. If we felt like a message of Jesus explicitly came out in it, 
then we wanted to let that happen organically and not feel like we had to like pump every piece of music or piece of poetry that we wrote to be that. And Reason to Believe felt very natural to us because um, we really wanted to make some songs that could be played in a church, but could be played in a lounge somewhere where people were drinking mojitos. <laughs> so um, Reason to Believe felt natural to us. And, and I loved the idea of telling sort of this story we talked in the beginning about there being this birth struggle kind of theme that we felt like we were picking up on, on the EP. And so I love the idea of sort of telling a story about three scenarios where a birth totally changed the life of the character. And each of the verses uh, sort of feature that one from the perspective of a mother, one from the perspective of a father, and then to bring the Jesus story in from this, like, if we examine this birth of Jesus, we're looking at someone who was not born under the most awesome circumstances, just like the other two verses. But he also gives us reason to believe. Now you you need to tell about I Am A Journey because you made it, we had nothing but some sentences and you made it sound <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> so so I, I Am A Journey, uh, I, I wanted to make the first version sound like a remix kind of. Uh, and so we, we each wrote I Am statements. So from there, I just took them as if I were sampling from something else. And I, I, I just love... It has a lot of build to it. Uh, so that, that was definitely a fun one to work on. I've had a couple rappers say they want that track too. <laughs> I, we went in and recorded everything, acapella, all the sentences. So I left him for a few days for him to do whatever he wanted to do with that. And when he let me listen to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> Dangerous without a conductor. Dangerous without a conductor. I'm a paintbrush that wants to be a canvas. I'm a paintbrush that wants to be a canvas. I'm a mind that wants to be a heart. I'm a mind that wants to be a heart. I am muscle that wants to be skin. I am muscle that wants to be skin. I am without, but want so desperately to be within. I am a story. Constantly being retold. I am a classic record, only heard by few. I am a verb, trying to outlast the question mark. I am a sneaker, who shouldn't run alone. I am sound, my life is microphone. I am sound, sound. My life is a microphone.
journey. I'm a paintbrush that wants to be a canvas. I'm a speaker box in search of electricity. I'm a beat, beat, beat. I'm a beat, beat, beat. I'm a beat, beat, beat. I am sound. My life is microphone. This microphone. This microphone. I am a journey. I am a journey. I am a journey that longs to be a destination. I am a journey that longs to be a destination. I am a beat, beat, beat. I am a beat, beat, beat. I am a speaker box. So graffiti. And then when we went into Hands Up, we both always talk about how it seems like there's a disproportionate number of sad songs about God, like super slow emo songs about God. True. And we were just like, why can't there just be some like celebration songs? Like, I mean, Jesus did die, but he rose too. You know, like there's reason to have some joy and celebrate and have fun and party. So Hands Up was sort of us trying to imagine if we could make something that people could dance to that incorporated spoken word and hip hop, what would we make? And Hands Up was that song for us. I really wanted to hear poetry over danceable music. That was, I just wanted to, I need to do my research, see if it's been attempted before, but I really wanted to try it. And it gave you, Matt, more of a chance to perform. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that one's probably my favorite one to perform live. Uh, A couple of the colleges that we've done that one at, uh, coming from behind the turntables and grabbing the mic, that's, that's a fun, and the crowd moves pretty good with it too.
might just need to let go Set free, let the beat control Hands up, it's about to go down Hope, groove, song, dance, rhythm, light, second chance Time to wake up, no time to snooze There's life to live, no time to lose Start the party, light a fuse Find your muse, put on your cool Take off the blues, on the porch In the pews, put on your dancing shoes Hands up when the beat goes down Everybody gather around To the groove of the soul graffiti sound You might just need to let go Set free, let the beat control Hands up, it's about to go So move some more Life gets so unusual You gotta move so you can stay flexible You need to check for show, you live accountable But take a moment to let go If you don't, you might just blow Don't gain the whole world just to lose your soul Don't lose your soul, don't lose your soul Life's pressure will make you old Dance like no one's watching go Throw up your hands, shake it to the flow Shake your head like you say you know To watching life go out the door Find life's groove and kick your flow Put your hands up when, when the beat goes Hands up when the beat goes down Everybody gather around To the groove of the soul graffiti sound You might just need to let go Set free, let the beat control Hands up, it's about to go down Hands up when the beat goes down Everybody gather around To the groove of the soul graffiti sound You might just need to let go Set free, let the beat control Hands up, it's about to go down Hands up, the final track from Soul Graffiti's self-titled debut EP. I'd really love to see a performance by this couple and to meet up with them in person. And uh, speaking of meeting, I want to give a shout out to our new listeners finding us on Grok Radio, our solid devotees who catch up with us every week through 3R Radio, and all those who find us at our home base on Trent Radio in Peterborough, Ontario. Well, this is the end of 2015, so next week you get to find out who made a musical impact during the year on our next show, The Antidote's Top 10 List for 2015. Matt and Amina of Soul Graffiti are here to finish our talk, plus we've got another track from Amina's solo work, this one called Houseful of Women. See you next week. During this whole conversation, Mina, I think I've been putting limits on you because, you know, you're not just a spoken word performer. You're also an author and a public speaker. Man, this is going to sound like some kind of a game show. But if you had to choose only one of those, which one would it be? Hmm. I think I would probably still choose performing poetry. I think that would be my top choice. I think if I didn't do this for a living, if I went and got some other job, I'm always going to write poetry. I may not always write books. I may not always be a speaker, but I will always be somewhere at somebody's open mic performing poetry. So that is the one I would say would be my top one. Other than that, talking. I just am talking all the time and I love talking. I will be talking until I die. (laughs) Is that true, Matt? Uh, she may may talk after. I, <laughs> I, I think there's going to be some posthumous conversations. 
<laughs> yeah, very, very true. <laughs> well, listen, Matt, I'm not going to neglect you. My last question. Sir. Is there any bigger Atlanta Braves fan than you? Oh, man, <laughs> let me tell you. I love my hometown sports, even when they don't love me back. <laughs> I stand by the Braves, the Falcons, and the Hawks. That is true. <laughs> well, I think there might be a lot of listeners here in Canada not agreeing with you on that, but yeah, we'll accept that. <laughs> well, we, we did lose our, our hockey team sometime back, so <laughs> I, I uh, root for whoever you guys are rooting for. <laughs> Matt Itamina, I got to thank you for uh, sharing all about soul graffiti with us. Ben, thank you so much for having us, Dave. Thank you so much. Honored to talk to you today, sir. It's been fun. I meant to say I missed you. And in the hours between now and the last time you left me, insecurity has crept underneath my skin, forcing its way out of my pores so I pick fights. When I should really tell you I'm afraid. That I know what to do if you leave, but I'm at a loss for what to do if you stay. How the hurt of all the women before me told me you would leave. That there wasn't enough love in my heart or beauty in my face to keep you here. See, I was raised in a house where the men were absent. Stolen by death and divorce. Leaving only lonely fedora hanging on an old coat rack and their last names as reminders of where they'd been. Maybe they were rolling stones searching for a place called home. Maybe they were malicious disasters, leaving in their wake wounded boys, girls, and women as debris. Maybe they were just human beings who had a hard time being what they'd never watched their fathers be. I was raised by women who were trained to survive, who couldn't take the time it took to lick wounds, who must be modern Hagar, pack child and past on their back and travel roads far from home. As a little girl, I sat between their legs while they braided my hair as they divided stories, clean line, as if defined by razor blade, rolling facts into paper-wrapped clumps, lighting them up as grown folks' business, hoping I couldn't smell the scent. But I inhaled implicit lessons. That love does nothing but hurt, is nothing but work, that you must settle for less than what you're worth, that feelings are subject to change and may lead you into a mess that men at best cannot be trusted, and at worst, will ruin your life, helping to create a child and leaving you to pick up the pieces. I didn't believe in gambling with chance. I never had much hope for romance, back against the wall, refusing to dance, so men became a curiosity. Their hairy faces a mental photography, where I hoped to follow the follicle and find a line of braille to tell me what a man should have been, hoping for a man with a mix of sensitivity plus the hands and chest to save me from destruction like John Henry. Then you walked into a heart that feels robbed clean like a precious jewel abandoned to a den of thieves. You don't know how I stare at every step, watch you walk, wait for your hello, breathe a sigh of relief when you walk through the door because you are proof that what I hoped in my heart was true, that men don't always leave, that they stay, that when life throws blows and punches, they land uppercuts, they don't walk away in my house. I keep no coat rack will not pack up my wounded past and travel roads far from risk, must figure out how to stay, must do more than survive, must take the time it takes to heal wounds, to ask myself why, to not let love and time pass me by.